0: Just as we get going and continue on this theme, I just want to do a few little housekeeping things, and I know I've started something. I know I've started something. I know it's gone. There it is. <laughs> See you in half hour. <laughs> Very good we. Couple of housekeeping things. Leadership, we gathered yesterday, and we um, were talking about the next six months in the life of the church and praying for here at NCR. And so that was really great to get away together and, and to do that. Just so you know, it's our executive, our staff um, team, as well as our pastoral team, just meeting up yesterday for a number of hours in the afternoon. Second thing I wanted to say is our journeys group has started, and I wish everyone here could actually, whether you're following Jesus or whether you're checking God out, could just be part of that. In fact, if you want to check God out, discover where does. Uh, Jesus fit into the world. What is Christianity all about? Come and join us on Wednesday night, this Wednesday. Ian and Pam Morehouse are hosting a journeys group. And uh, just the the conversations that happened two weeks ago were brilliant. And uh, it's always uh, invigorating, insightful conversation about where does God fit into the big picture? And if you'd like to be part of that, then please do. I wish everyone could listen to the intelligence of the conversations and the openness of communication that happens in those places. So that's continuing on. This week is journeys as well. The next thing I want to say is, and I think we're up on the screen here, I think I'm all switched on here, is that if you want to follow anything that we do uh, as far as biblical content this morning, then why don't you just, on the iOS device, or if you have the Bible with you, you know, I've read a lot of literature And it strikes me that there is something deeply profound about the Bible that's like no other literature. In fact, one of the writers in the Bible says that it's kind of like a sword that cuts through the the deepest part of your life, your marrow, your soul. In fact, if you want to inquire and discover for yourself, best place for you to go is for you to check out the places that we're exploring and picking as we walk through different passages of the Bible and unpack the theme today, because you will discover that God can speak to you directly directly. Because it's unlike any other literature that I've read on the face of this earth. Urgent attention. The next two weeks, we're going to be unpacking today, urge surfing. Is it possible to surf our urges? And next week, Judy Wilkie is going to be with us. She's a local counsellor. And she often comes at different stages and talks to different topics. And next week, she's going to be talking about What does it look like for someone who wants to follow God or even if you're not following God and you want to unhook from when attachments form, those urges have picked you up and you're surfing the wave and you cannot get off. And so that's what she's going to be talking about. So if you're here today, please come next week because it comes in a two-part kind of package and I think you'll be better for it in sort of seeing another end and another side in resolving the whole, if you like, to do with urgent attention and today urge surfing. You know, there was a study that was done. Uh, I love these studies. thousand people in Dunedin. It's in Scotland, and they have traveled with people for 32 years, from birth all the way to 32 years, and they asked the question that often people ask is, what are the ingredients for success? And you know what they came back with? This is recently published, and it's in the last three, four years. They said, the number one key thing, the key determinant for someone's success in life is self-control. How about that? It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you don't have control over yourself, you can't stick to studies. You can't hold down a job. You can't save money. You're living for, if you like, hand to mouth all the time. Self-control. What about when that comes to spiritual control? What about that dimension? I wonder if it's possible to actually spiritually, to those urges and those desires within us, that kind of don't align with God's, is it possible to actually have any control over those? In fact, it was Jesus who said, and we've been unpacking this idea of the skinny road. He said, a wide is the path that can lead to destruction in this life and into the age to come. And there are lots of people who walk down it. But narrow is the path that leads to life in this life and that leads to life in the age to come. And there are few people that actually... Follow it. I think what Jesus was trying to say was that there's all kinds of desires within us and whispers from outside of us that kind of want to drag us off narrow roads into walking wide ones. And so today I want to talk about what does it look like for us? For someone who wants to walk a skinny road. And continue to kind of walk with Jesus. What does it look like for them not to step off the wide roads? And if you have, if you like, how do you get back on? And to do that, I want to actually go backwards before I go forwards. I want to tell you a story. It goes something like this. said that there was a book of beginnings in the Bible says that there was uh, two people. Uh, In fact, the two homo sapiens that uh, that God chose to be his representatives, let's call them Adam and Eve, and he gave them a job to do. I want you to be my representatives and I want you to reflect me back into the world. And if you like, God created and he wanted those human beings to actually continue his creation work. He wanted them to bring order to the chaos around about. He said, this is the job, I want you to do it. And they said, no. If you like, they said, God, we want to... Do what we want to do. We don't believe you. We don't trust you. We want to rule ourselves. We want to serve ourselves. We want to please ourselves. Get out of our life. And it said from that moment, the Bible records, that there was this, if you like, this latent darkness that was in the human heart. It kind of expanded and spread throughout all of God's good creation. If you like, God at this moment could have said, what do I want to do? Do I want to wipe my hands of it and push it away? But he said, no. I want to do some fixing of it. I mean, you read on in the passages that just push on a little bit from here. And and from that first two representatives saying, God, we want to do things our way. It kind of released, if you like, a darkened heart into the wider sphere of creation. And you can read about two brothers killing one another because they were angry. And you can read about uh, lust and exploitation of women. And all of this darkness, if you like, was released into The Bible has a word for it. It's a disease. It's called sin. And so God could have discarded, but he didn't. He made a promise to one person. He selected one man by the name of Abraham, and he said, I I want you to be my representative. I'm going to make you into a a huge multitude of people, and you'll bless the earth. What I want you to do is pick up my work of creating and bringing order out of chaos, and I want you and your people to do that. And if you like, Abraham had this kind of believing, obeying faith, and he trusted God. So God said, you're in right with me. And so after some generations, that that mob grew big, (laughs) and, and they were in Egypt. And God rescued them from that place, and he gave them, if you like, this continued job. What I want you to do is I want you to reflect me and my character into the world. And he gave them his laws that reflected the very heart and character and the nature of God. But what happened? Time and time again, those people that were to be doing God's bidding, if you like, reflecting him back into the order and bringing order in the chaos of our world, had the same darkened heart that those first two representatives had. The problem was just the same. What was God going to do about this? Well, he made another promise. He said, what I want to do is send someone who will lead you out into a new way, someone who would actually change the human heart and transform it. And so... He came, his son came, and, and he lived a, a life that was kind of fully under God, uh, his father. And he reflected his father's image perfectly back into the world, if you like. He was the one who would put order back into chaos and said he died on a cross And on that cross, he he kind of took all of the evil and discouragement and sin of the world and he took it on himself and he defeated it there. And he rose to new life so that anyone who places their trust in Jesus will have his spirit sent into them. They'll be washed clean, refreshed, welcomed into God's family. If you like, they'll become a new kind of people that will kind of reflect God back into the world. You see, Jesus didn't come to answer the question, how do I get to heaven when I die? Jesus came to answer this question, what's a good God going to do with a broken, darkened world? You see, if you're here this morning and you follow Jesus and you're someone who says, I'm walking down that skinny path, you would understand and agree with me that you're the first person to put your hand up and to say, you know what? Part of the problem is with me. If I'm honest with myself and I look at the good desires I have, I also know that there's unwholesome desires as well. The problem is with me. In fact, those people with their hand up are the ones who are saying, we are looking forward as recreated human beings. And when God is going to come and recreate and put his total order back into the world in a new heavens and a new earth. That's what skinny road people walking with Jesus believe. Do you know that? In fact, if you're wondering if our heart's relatively good or otherwise, Jesus had some really insightful things to say. He said this about the human heart. Yeah, there's good things in it, but at the same time, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them, makes them unclean, Jesus said. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Let me, let me just pause for a moment and do a, a check here. All right, I'm just going to do a, just a little group check here. So, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. All right, so is there anyone here this week that might have had any problems with uh, thinking lustful thoughts, thinking I could have that, and even on the road in the car thinking if I could just get that person back, if no one could catch me, um, uh, then I would do it. And I, you've thought those thoughts. H- hand up if you haven't thought any of anything, come close to that. All right, let me just do another check then. Okay, for the next ones. Uh, a bit of greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, and envy. Has anyone here in the room not experienced any form of envy this week at all? You've looked at someone else and gone, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could look like that. I wish I could have that. If no one's experienced any of that stuff, could you just put your hand up? Because I want to interview you up here this morning. Um, Has anyone this week stumbled into a little bit of slander, arrogance, or just stupidity this week? Has anyone had any stupidity this week? that I'm going to ask you to share your stupidity with us today. Um, I have. Um, Jesus said, actually, all these things, these evils come from inside, and they're the things that make people unclean. Um, Did it just get a little bit heavy in the room? Because a follower of Jesus who wants to walk down a skinny road are the first ones to put their hands up and say, you know what, that stuff is in me. I don't look my, down my nose at someone else because I realize there's a place and a time in my life where I've said, God, that stuff's in me too, and I need you to fix me, and I need you to help me. And so they're the ones who are calling out to Jesus and saying, thank you for what you've done, and now if I want to walk your skinny road and be a recreated person, they're the ones who kind of say, I want my thinking and my body to come into line with you. In fact, they agree with Paul, a writer in the Bible's words, when he said, so my dear family, This is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Worship like this brings your mind into line with God's. What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can work out what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and complete. Wow. Some of you are here this morning and you're asking, Troy, why are you going backwards to go forwards? Why are you starting here? Why tell us that story in the first place? Well, it's kind of like what the prospector said to Woody in the toy story. He said, you've forgotten who you are. He said, when people who are trying to follow Jesus forget who they are, they follow all kinds of things about where to find life and where goodness is to be found. They look elsewhere. If I don't tell this story, and and, and if you don't remember, if you like, who you are, the chances are over the next five weeks, the topics that I'm going to talk to you about, you're going to come back at me and you're going to say, Troy, you're just doing that moralizing stuff. Just good ethical teaching. And I don't want to do that. Uh, Secondly, you'll probably say, there's God again, just wanting to rob us of our fun. There he is just being restrictive in order to rob us of our fun. And in fact, if you like, it's just the opposite. Jesus didn't come to restrict us. He came to actually rescue people like you and I walking the skinny road. How does someone do that? Even if you're here this morning and you're just checking out God, how do you walk a skinny road however you define the boundaries of that road? Particularly in a world that says this, if you satisfy your desire, you will be happy. Have you ever noticed that some of the most unhappiest people in this world have everything? Have you noticed that? So we kind of intuitively know that, that when you fill yourself up with a whole bunch of stuff, it doesn't necessarily equate to happiness. In fact, one of the key things that God comes to do in someone's life is to fix their wanter so they start to want to do the things that he made you and created you to do so that you would want to do them as you walk in them and you find this kind of freedom and liberty. But the world around about us says, if you satisfy your desire, you'll be happy. In fact, these days they go one step even further. It goes something like this. If you repress any desire you have, that is tantamount to sin. You hear me? This is actually the next step. If you restrict any desire you have, it's to wrong. Why would you do that? You're missing out on life right now. In fact, the world goes on and says you cannot control your desires. You are out of control. You cannot control them. And it tells you all the time to act now and think later. Don't we hear that? all of the time. And so for a person who wants to follow down the skinny road with Jesus and hears the whispers from without and understands still the urges that are still there from within, but they've kind of been dealt with, how does someone begin to walk? Well, James, a half-brother of Jesus, he actually talks about what desire is all about. And he says it like this, remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God's tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So it's like a a birthing process. I like those first couple of words that James says. Our own desires entice us and drag us away. Have you ever walked into a department store? Guys, you've walked into the men's section and you see a jacket. And you think to yourself, that is an amazing jacket. I think I might just try that on. And you know that no one's watching you, so you can. And you haven't even checked out the price tag, and you put it on yourself. And uh, your desires tell you, hey, that fits. That kind of feels a little good. Is it just me? All right, it's just me. It's what goes through my head. You put it on and you think, wow. Not only do I, I wonder how I look, but you start to feel like a different person. And then you have one of the attendants at the store. They come over to you and they take you, and you notice this, they drag you away. Where do they drag you to? A mirror which is even more spectacular because now you were thinking it, now you can look at it and yourself. And now you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you are thinking, wow, what I thought is actually true (laughs) because I'm seeing it now in a mirror. And then you have that same attendant who is dressed up, really they are the devil incarnate, and they whisper into your ear words like this, wow, that's amazing. You know, if we put a tie with that, if we match some pants with that and some matching shoes and you're standing there and you're going, you know, that is so true. And before you know it, you are not only thinking it, you are hearing it, but you are feeling it. And you don't even care less about the price tag because at this stage, the the card is on the register. You have been dragged away, and you are buying the item as you walk out the store. Can anyone else here relate to me? Because this is kind of the way it works, doesn't it? And you go out there feeling like a million dollars because this is where life is to be found. And the only problem is about two weeks later, you're at a dinner party, and you spill something on your jacket. And you realize, as life-giving as I thought, I need to get another jacket. So you go back to store again, because there's always the next winter season around, right? That's the way desire works. It shifts us from one place, takes us to another, and if you like, it moves us. We weren't even thinking of that, and now we are. James says, this is how desire works, does it not? It works that way all the time, skinny roads. If someone wants to walk down that road, what do they need to do? How do they tackle that? There's three things I want to bring to your attention. First one goes something like this. You see, if you want to walk down that skinny road, you need to have a bigger yes. You need to have a bigger yes. You need to know what you want to say yes to so when you're out there in the surf and the swell and the waves that you know when one of them picks you up, it's easier to be able to to dismiss some and let others go through to the keeper because you know that there's ones out there that you are looking for because you've already marked out the boundaries and said, that's where I want to walk. It's kind of like turning up to an auction. And already having decided the price that you're going to bid to beforehand, so the emotion doesn't drag you into it and you stick your hand up and you pay $100,000 more than what you ever anticipated doing just because it was in the moment. Jesus says something like this, he said, having a bigger yes looks like, but seek first God's kingdom and his rightness and all of the other things will be given to you as well. People who are worrying about the world around about and what's going to happen and where food's going to come from. Jesus said, well, I want you to do more than anything else is have a bigger yes. And that bigger yes looks like saying, Jesus, what's your way? How do I walk into it? What does your yes look like? How does this practically work? Two weeks ago, I was playing for a football team called the Marcel and Bald Eagles. I know I don't officially qualify, but my hairdresser cut off a little bit much. And and we were playing a game against Diamond Valley uh, over there in uh, Heidelberg. And and I lined up on the half-forward line, and there was a guy half-back. And as I walked up next to him, and so this is an uh, an age-related thing, so it's kind of like the over... Mm-hmm. And I qualified, and and I remember standing next to him. And the first thing he did as I stood next to him was he bumped me. Man, bang like this, I'm like oh, really? I thought this was schoolboy stuff. I, 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 where the bald eagles were not playing for sheep stations, and uh, you've just oh my goodness! Every time I walked up near him, he would do the same thing again, bang like this, and I'm like oh my goodness. What am I going to do? And so I'm thinking of these two things. What, what do I want to do? There's part of me that wants to clock this guy because he is just indiscriminately beating on me. So I walk backwards because I'm like, man, you're not going to just and bang like this. And I'm like, oh, and then I size him up. I think, you know what? I think I'm faster than you and I think I'm stronger than you, but you've got a funny glint in your eye, <laughs> which makes me think you might be a little bit loco. So I don't know what you're going to do. And so there's conversation going in. And so you start to think Christian thoughts and you think, I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for the perfect time when the ball is down below him and I can line him up. (laughs) And it's legal and it's fair. And I'm having this conversation in my head. And there's another part of it that goes, no, no, wait a second. Remember who you are. You're supposed to reflect God and his character into this world. After all, you're playing this football game because you enjoy playing football. And it's not about clocking the guy next to you. So what are you going to do? So I let the urge roll past. And I continued to play the game. And I didn't repay an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I shook his hand afterwards and thought... It's hard walking skinny paths, is it not? See, people who want to walk skinny paths with Jesus, they have to have a bigger yes because it helps them to do this next thing. Practice saying a bigger no. Hands up here if you're really bad at saying no. We once knew a lady who the telemarketers knew her and so I'm sure they would pass her telephone number around. Whenever you came home, she was talking to a telemarketer saying yes because she couldn't say no. In fact, it was so hard for her to say no that I'm sure that every time we came home, she was buying something new that she didn't need. She had a yes, but if you like, she found it really hard to say no. In fact, followers of Jesus, they identify with this phrase here. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. There'll be death in this life sometimes and and away from God in the next. But if through the power of God's spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. What I think he was trying to say is that you do have control of yourself and that you can say no to your desires because not all desires are good and not all desires lead to life. There's whispers from without, there's urges from within. Some years ago when I was at university, there was a group of us and we were friends. A group of guys and one of them had a girlfriend Actually, it was his fiance. And we're all friends together, and what he didn't know is that she was playing the rest of us, which would mean that when there was opportune time, there would be a nudge and a wink and a compliment and some flattery, and it felt good, and it was kind of one of those situations that it was a bit awkward, but at the same time she was nice. And she was alluring. And so I remember a particular time when I was one of the bunnies, and she would batter her eyes, and she would say nice words, and it felt good. And I remember the times in which we would kind of like rendezvous at places, and you knew it was wrong, but it it was just to talk, of course, and it was just to confide in, and it was the occasional cuddle, the occasional compliment, And it felt like it was life. There was this other voice. I still remember the day that when we went shopping. There was just the three of us. And we went shopping and he went off to find some other stuff for Christmas. And the two of us were kind of left to ourselves. And in one moment, in one secret space, there was one stolen kiss. And some of you here would just say, oh, pff, kisses, that's all. Pff, it's nothing. But it was. Because that shifted the whole groundwork of trust. He could rely on friendship. She told a friend who told a friend who eventually it came out. And there was anger. And I tell you what, it can lead to death in this life. Because there was threats. And it was messy. And here was me remembering, I'm the one who's trying to reflect God's goodness and faithfulness and love and justice into a disordered world. And I am just contributing to it. If I'd only said... No. You see, the problem with desire, that't only the hard way, it tells you all kinds of lies. It says all kinds of things. And the only way to deal with it at times is to look away, run away, cut it off, and kill it. And you can. If you like... I was in a place where I had to realize that I actually can't live that kind of life by myself. Friends, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is not to do what you want to do. Cut it off. Kill it. Walk away. Run away to follow skinny paths. So that's where I find the words of the writer of the Bible about Jesus are profound. He says this of Jesus, our, the high priest Jesus, our unders- who understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do and he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive mercy. And we'll find grace to help us when we need it the most. What he's trying to say is that the most dangerous place you can be in is someone who says, I'm in control. I don't have a problem. I've got it covered because I'm good for this. And that is the most dangerous place you can be in because it's the place, if you like, where pride hooks in, where humility is far, far away. And there's a God who you can come to. who has gone before you. That you can go confidently to and ask for his grace, his supernatural ability to accomplish in your life what you cannot accomplish for yourself. You can call out to him and ask him. And he can act to help you through those urges and those desires to keep you walking on skinny paths. Cindy's going to come and she's going to sing a song in a moment. Because I think after we're talking about urgent attention and urge surfing today, we can't talk about these things without creating some space for God to do his work and for you to come before God. See, I wonder if you're here this morning and the words I'm saying, they're kind of heavy and they kind of feel like condemning to you. They're not supposed to be. So that's why we come all the way back to the beginning. See, there is a God who creates, who believes that you're of infinite worth, who died a criminal's death so that he might break the darkness in our lives might liberate us to new life. My friends, the good news of the message of Jesus is simply this. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been and what what you've done or has been done to you, there's a God who's gone before you and taken all of that on a cross, risen to new life so that he can bring you home and wash you clean and restore you from the inside out. Do you know that? Because I bet there's some of you here this morning who go, you know what, I've blown it. I've done it. God wouldn't forgive that. I want to tell you this. That is the greatest lie you could ever believe in the entire universe. I wonder if you're here this morning and you are an edge away from stepping off the narrow onto the wide. And it feels good. It promises you life. It promises you everything. But I tell you this. You can say no. And maybe you need to kill it. The only way to do that. Is coming before God and saying, I actually can't kill it. But you can. And you have. You pour out your grace and power in me to walk a path for you. God's grace reaches into every fiber and fabric and every facet of our lives. It's powerful and it's freeing, and it's good. If the Son of Man has come to set you free, you are free indeed. This morning, if you want to, want to, no one wants to get up out of their chair and make a public spectacle of themselves, but if you go, I need to. What I'm going to invite you to do is, when Cindy's singing this worship song, which I invite you to just take in, to respond to in your own praise or maybe to think about the things that you're hearing this morning. That if you want to say, I want to walk that skinny road, I want to recommit to doing that, then why don't you come? We've got a way of life around here at NCR and if you don't even know what that is, it's just a response for you to come here and take one of these and say, I want to walk a skinny road and you can take both of these things and walk back to your seat and your simple prayer is, Jesus, I want to walk the skinny road. We're going to have some people praying over here. I'll be here with Bron. Yvonne's going to be over there. And if you would like to just receive prayer, then why don't you just come out to us quietly, slip out of your chair as we sing this song, as people take it in. and God speaks. Just pray for you. Refreshing, walking skinny roads. Because God is wanting you to respond to him today. So glad we're talking about urgent attention. So looking forward to next week. But what is God saying to you now? So as the words come up, Cindy, as you lead, why don't you respond? Not because you have to, because you need to today.